Podcast for the working cowboy. Well, howdy there, daylight burners. Happy Friday, Thursday night. If you're watching live, thanks to all the Patreon people that do subscribe. Patreon.com slash burning daylight if you'd like to partake in the, the live stream madness. Um, anyhow, we got uh we got Zach Sargent back on the show. And uh, we had a little snafu between our, our last, between now and our <laughs> our last uh, talk. Um, we're we're setting up this cowboy debate, and it will happen. I promise. This this debate series is going to happen, one way or the other. But as a lot of things in life, you uh, you think you have a great idea, and then you try to put it into practice, and uh, it's a little harder than you think. And uh, <laughs> I. I I'll speak for myself here, but, and then, and Zach can kind of tell us uh, his, his side of the deal. But when it came to the buckaroo side of things, I, I talked to some like true blue, well-respected top hand type of uh, California, great basin type of buckaroos and asked if they maybe wanted to, to defend that position that, that the buckaroo versus cow puncher great debate. And, uh, overwhelmingly the response was like well i like my style better than theirs but i know some really good hands that are a lot better hands than some of the the buckaroos that i've worked with from texas and arizona new mexico oklahoma that never dallied a day in their life till they came out to our country and then they learned how to dally and uh Essentially, they said, I don't know if our, ours is the best way to do things, but it's the best way to do things from where we're at. Yeah, I had um, some similar issues. Um, I reached out to some of the, I mean, real deal kind of cowpuncher type guys, not the social media type guys. I mean, guys mm. well-respected and good at their craft. Um None of them were super interested. They're happy to discuss why they do something. Yeah. Why we tie off or, you know, why we like a swell fork or whatever. What they weren't willing to do was put down the California style of it for the same reason. They said, well, you know, I worked with a lot of guys that come out of, you know, Idaho or Oregon or Nevada or any of that country and said, boy, they were sure good help and friends and, I would never down talk the way they do it because they made mm -hmm. good hands with the, their style, you know. Um, so I was having similar issues of guys, not that they were unwilling to discuss why they do it their way, but they are they, they have no willingness to bad talk or put down a different style of doing something. Yeah, 
And, and I, I tried to explain on my end too that like, hey, it, we're not putting them down. It's just a debate. You know, you're defending your position. They're like, well, I'll defend my position. But essentially what it would come down to is two guys, it would essentially become a bull session and not a debate. Exactly. You know? Yeah. It would be, you know, yeah, y'all do it this way and we do it this way and everyone gets along and no need to yeah. be mad about it. And that doesn't, you know, that's not what we're shooting for necessarily. Yeah. I, it, it turns into a debate where you just, you end up swapping stories because uh, mm-hmm. you got to explain why you're, you do things your way. And which is, that's, that's the reason the bull, the burning daylight bull session came about yeah. <laughs> is because I like that shit. But also, mm-hmm. I like, I want to see guys defend their points. And, and like, um, you know, and it could be for, for a fun, fun topic, a serious topic, whatever. I just, I want to see people own their argument and, and fucking back it up. You know, like we, we, uh, that's one thing I, I think that is really severely lacking in, in today's society is people just throw out shit and, and, and walk away and, and then, instead of like defending their argument that they'll uh you know they'll call you a racist or they'll call you a retard or or whatever you know it just immediately goes to just like no you're an idiot and And i I have the same belief i me and my wife had this talk not too long ago about opinions and i said everyone is entitled to an opinion but it is you also have to defend your opinions i mean Mm -hmm. it's I hate when people are like, well, you're entitled to your opinion. It's like, well, you are, but you also have to defend it because is it a valid opinion? Is it stupid? You know what I mean? Like, I, mean, oh, yeah. you no, I, I respect that you, I respect your right to have your opinion, but I don't necessarily respect your opinion. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the best way to put it. Yeah. And opinions are like anything else. If they don't stand up to peer review, you probably ought to rethink them. You know what I mean? It's like, well, yeah. if, you know, I have this opinion, and if it if someone can easily blow holes in that opinion, then I should probably go back to the drawing board with it. And that's the value of debate and conversation is making everybody rethink, you know, their line of thinking. Yeah. No, I I think I think you're right, and I think maybe we were uh, so. I I uh, I had a little bout of autism this week where I just. Uh, Nice. I, I, I list on listen to this song on loop, you know, and I, I have my regular like load of, of podcasts I listen to. I, I try to, you know, so I can stay as up to date on current events as possible. And uh, <clears throat> but in the meantime, like the world's a lot, <laughs> you know, like, there's a lot of shit going on and it's a lot of it's real fucking heavy and, and you need yeah. to unplug. Yeah. And uh the worst part of it is like there's no football going on right now, so right. Yeah, I'm and I don't give a shit about <laughs> baseball, so like that. Doesn't help me. Well, the Rockies are probably already out of it, and uh, <laughs> if they're not, if they're not, they're going to be right. real soon. So I like, got yeah, and so I just like man, uh, music, music's where it's at. Comedy and music, and uh, yeah, I, I do a lot of your mom's house and music for the most part. There you go, yeah. and. Uh, yeah, like I, I'm, I'm Legion of Skanks. I'm, uh, you know, even even Rogan has been too heavy here lately. I'm like, man, get some fucking comedians on, like some yeah. some dumb dumb comedians. I too, agree. Right? Like run Theo Vaughn on there or Tom Segura or somebody because like yeah, I, like the Twitter files and shit we have hammered on, and it's at this I, point 
obviously it's important, more. but man, it's so it's exhausting. It's fucking exhausting. And I used to think like, dude, this is, and it is important to hear what happened. And the fact that the federal government is actively trying to control social media platforms and yeah. speech. But the truth is too, I realized, ah, this isn't going to matter in election. The general public, it's pretty yeah. much already swept it under the rug. Like, oh well, I mean, what else can you do? No one gives a shit. So, like, what do you do? I know, I know. It's uh, it's insane. Like, I've I've been talking for two years now about how uh, how how my channel got throttled, and well, fuck it. The people that hear it hear it, and they they hear it because they actually like my show, and they come find it out. But uh, my Facebook page, I'm nobody's fucking sees that shit. So. Uh, it's nuked. Like, it's real life sucked. I mean, like I said, yeah. we, we had a discussion about your reach and used to. I was, it always came up in my feed. It was always recommended. Mm-hmm. And for funsies, after a podcast we did with Jennifer Hill, mm-hmm. I started kind of paying attention. To like, let's see how much it's been recommended. Zero times since then. I haven't seen, I have to go look for the post or something. like. It never comes up in my feed. Yeah. And as dumb as that sounds, it's like, well, that's simple enough. Go look for it. But that's not Facebook is made as a scroll platform. That's why it's endless scrolling. So if it doesn't come up in your feed, 90% of the time you miss it. You know what I mean? That's just how it goes. So Yeah, and so like that, the biggest thing is like, I, I hate asking people to share my shit. But honestly, if you do like it, like, please do. Because that's the only way I get any traction anymore is 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 word of mouth and and the only word of mouth there is on social media is when you when you shout it out like share it whatever yep like and uh, yeah. because that that's and it sounds so fucking dumb and petty but like man I could have been making some serious money at the tra- trajectory I was at and then yeah. uh, and then fucking Trump happened and you know and. Ah, they they just shut shit down. It was definitely, um, uh, it's a testament to, I would say, how politicized every level of government has become. Mm-hmm. Typically, we always held that our intelligence agencies weren't political offices. You know, they were there for the righteous and the good and the truth and. Like, after listening to Matt TB and all this shit on the Twitter files, that's a load of shit. I mean, it's absolutely politicized. They absolutely have picked a side. Yep. Um, and this isn't a defend Trump ramp, but it the left does need to be taken to task for it, is the other side of things. I'm like, you yeah, know, like, well, for um, sure, man. I mean, and and this is just Twitter, which Twitter, I think they said, has like 300 million users. Yeah, and it so, can't facebook or anything like that yeah there there was nothing i mean there there was a few um references to to other platforms but it was it was mostly specific to twitter facebook's like five times the size of of twitter huge and um youtube's even bigger than that and (laughs) so you're just like man I, I didn't have a following on Twitter, so it wasn't a huge thing for me. You know, but I had like I had I, a decent following on Facebook, and yeah. that just cut it off at the knees. 
So in the Rogan podcast that Zuckerberg did, he said they were we they were approached by the FBI mm-hmm. and told like there's going to be a slew of Russian disinformation flowing in and you know uh, it needs to be throttled essentially. Well, then the Hunter Biden laptop story broke, which was immediately shuttered on all social media platforms. Any you hate to say right leaning because I would say the burning like the burning daylight page was not. It was mostly sarcastical. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it wasn't like there was a, there's always a few who take it, you know, you know, too far on the political spectrum. But for the most part, it was just people posting dumb fucking memes for fun. Yeah. And um, they absolutely, I mean, they 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 throttled it. I mean, and I, you're not alone if you just Google that. There's a there's been a ton of influencers who got yeah. who got throttled. Rogan actually said, "Thank God." he got big enough in his own sphere to not have to rely on Facebook or Twitter to get yeah. his, his reach out. Cause he's like, I'd have been fucked. Yeah. This would have never happened if I would have relied yeah. on social media to, you know, get the word out because they would have shut me down years ago. Yeah. And, and you know, when, when he moved to Spotify, like from a, like he, he really kind of just, fucking called youtube's bluff and then yeah. you know spotify paid him big mm-hmm. and uh and they still didn't shut down his channel they might have demonetized stuff but like his clips get so many views so much traffic that yeah they're they're not gonna let that go we've got a we've got an interjector here what's up dude hey jackson hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry what's about up, man oh, no worries man this is what you get when you don't have your own office. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How many kids do you have, Matt? I got two. What's two. up, buddy? Yeah. This is Jackson. He turned two years old today. Nice. I have Jameson, nice. who is four years old, and then I have a baby due next month, a little girl, and we are done making babies. Not practicing, but doing the thing. We're done. Yeah. Good enough. Yeah, we we decided after two. I was like, "Hey, are, are you good?" And she's like, "I'm good." All yeah, right, we I'm did too. And I had one very impulsive night in Texas where the mm. intrusive thoughts got the best of me. Somebody had a fiddle in the band. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, all right, well, it's happening. So, like I said, it's you know that's funny too because I know I've always um discussed abortion and that sort of thing um hey mama one second oh i'm sorry buddy i love you i've always discussed how i'm pro-choice and all that fun shit and when faced with the decision of like we only want two what do we do I'm a chicken shit at heart i was like now nah, we can't do it exactly <laughs> yeah i'm i'm the same way like i <laughs> I, I don't care what anybody else does, but I don't know. Me and my wife talked about it at length many times, and it's like it doesn't affect us. Like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, um, if that's my kid, and and she's the one carrying it. Like I, that thing's coming out. That that's yeah. all there is to it. That's, and, that's uh, what we settled on. It was you know everybody else can do as they please, and we're gonna we're gonna ride this one out, and then I will get the remedy. So that's the plan. Yeah. So this will kind of lead into my 
my idea for this yeah. uh, this debate series. But so, like I said, there, somebody in Texas had a fiddle in the band. Have Have you stepped through those lyrics like line by line? Uh, you know, I guess not in any other way than singing. You know what I mean? Not not specifically, it, I guess. That that song makes just as much sense as uh, New Year's Day by Charlie Robinson. And and actually, New Year's Day might make more sense. Yeah, yeah. But the All right, so they say um, if you're going to play in Texas, you got to have a fiddle in the band. The lead guitar is hot, but not for a Louisiana man. Um, so are they saying that the Louisiana man needs the, the fiddle? Because you're you're talking about in Texas, and I understand they're neighbors, but like... <laughs> No, I guess I do. I get what you mean because it's like, yeah, what? Like I said, like those are like that lead. If you're gonna play, you gotta have a fiddle in a band. That lead guitar is hot, but not for a Louisiana man. Like, yeah, I, they completely lose you at that point. I guess. Yeah, I, yeah. I, like if you if you really if you and seeing this is where, uh, <laughs> I'd say maybe my wife's a little bit uh. Uh, she's not autistic, but she might be a little OCD. And that that's uh, you're like, wait, wait, what do you mean by that? Yeah. And and you're like, well, but hold on. Where, where does Louisiana come into this? Because I thought it was like it was a Texas thing. You had to have a fiddle in the band. And then the guy had his case there. And so, like, if he knows that if you're going to play in Texas, you got to have a fiddle in the band. Like, why is this fiddle still in the fucking case? You know, <laughs> like <laughs> get that thing out from the get go. So I'm looking it up. That lead guitar is hot, but not for Louisiana man. Not for, and Louisiana man is in quotations, which would infer it's referring to a song. Is there a song called Louisiana man? Mm, well, maybe so. You keep, keep, keep scrolling on that. I'll look on Spotify. It is indeed a song. Oh, you already got it. Doug Kershaw. Uh, never heard it somehow. <laughs> I have never heard it. And I still am not positive how that is related to... We're missing... We, we, hang on. Papa Polar Little Boy did. He rigged them on the banks of a riverbed. On a houseboat tied to a big tall tree. A home for my papa and my mama and me. The clock strikes three and papa jumps to his feet. Huh. I've never heard that before in my life. No, and I, I pride myself on the fact I know music and I have never heard this shit in I my mean, life. It, it, the song has a lot of fiddle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I said, I, maybe they're referencing like in order to play that song, you have um, to have a, a fiddle. But what? Because in the next line, um, uh, so he's you know, but not for Louisiana man. Let's say the song. So rosin up that bow for faded love. And let's all dance. So I think he's referencing Louisiana Man and Faded Love. We all know Faded Love. Yeah. Um, so maybe that gives a little more context. And Faded Love doesn't have anything to do with Texas either, I don't guess. Neither does Cotton Eye Joe. 
Yeah. Uh, okay, so maybe we just solved the mystery, huh? <laughs> I, I it sounds like a formula song. The more, the more you like, they just threw in a bunch of buzzwords yeah, that people just, would know. It's like you're like, what rhymes? Like just throw some shit. Yeah. Who gives a shit? It's about a fit. So, Louisiana Man by Doug Kershaw. After fulfilling their military obligation, uh, the two brothers recorded Louisiana Man, an autobiographical song that Doug had written in the Army. Song uh, not only sold millions of copies over the years, but uh, has become to uh, has come to become or has become to be considered a standard of modern Cajun music. Okay, all right. So, but that that's a Louisiana thing. And he plays a lot of fiddle, so like I assume he's referencing the songs they play when they go to Texas, like Faded Love, Louisiana Man, Native Texan. Never can heard that shit. Um, I've never once heard somebody call for Cotton Eye Joe. I've only ironically, you know what I mean? Like, I said, like <laughs> never, like never, because we wanted to hear it. And yeah, that's not, that's people. weddings and uh, and high school dances. That's, that's, that's an it. FFA leadership camp dances. That's all that ever yeah. was. Like nobody, man. I, I'm, you know, I've never, I have never <laughs> looked into it until right now. And now I, I, mean, I hadn't really thought about it until my wife bought it, brought it up the other day. But it sounds like something I would have brought up and not her. Right. Um and it's, uh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fun so, fact, so any, before we get too far, do you know what the Cotton Eye Joe's about? I just learned this. Uh no, I don't. That's an STD. Is it really? It is, yeah. And Cotton and, that, and you, um Cotton that, Eye would be the pus leaking. So where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you go? If if it hadn't been for Cotton Eye Joe, I'd been married a long time ago. So I reference mm. it reference huh. Yeah. And we yeah. got we left 13 year olds. <laughs> dance. Like not 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 just let them, but that's that's what they encouraged to dance for, um, for, for country kids. And that's that's just one of the theories, um, obviously, but it is it is most people agree it is a reference to some sort of disease, either of the, the of the penis. And Cotton Eye Joe was a reference to a venereal disease back in the day. So well, there you go. Well, you know what? The Rednecks back circa 90, what the fuck ever, did a hell of a job remixing it, and people do a very stupid line dance to it now. So, yes, well. they do. So anyway, the more you know, you, you learn a lot of shit here on Burning Daylight. Yeah. Welcome, people. Uh, did you get a chance to listen to uh, the history professor? I didn't. We've been here in Phoenix hanging out family, and I've been oh, like, man. So, Tucson and Sedona and doing. we've been to the zoo and all kinds of shit. I have not had time yet. No, I um. When you get a chance, please let me know what you think, because I I I like that guy a lot. He was fucking cool. Where he what was in? Yes, I read the. Where was he a professor at again? Um, it was Columbia College and uh, the University of Illinois at Chicago. How did and, you how did you get in contact with that guy? Um, I read his book on. Uh, it's called Slaughterhouse. Highly recommend. Um. I, I told him, and I mean it, it's the best, like, historical telling of how Chicago started as a meatpacking town and became, like, the Goliath it was, and then all the way up to, I think it was published in 2014. 
Uh, Chicago's um, Union Stockyard in the world at May. Yeah, yeah. Dominic Pasiga is. His yeah, name. there you go. Yeah, Dominic yeah. Pasiga. Okay, well, five, he's got four point four stars. Wow. Well, okay. Yeah, it's it's a great um because when when you start looking into the the packing industry, yep. Um, there there's a there's not a lot of just straightforward historical stuff there's a lot of it's really biased Mm -hmm. and it's mostly against the packing industry which i think is fair don't get me wrong i think that's fair but also like i was telling him as i think a lot of especially modern historians and and I'm, i'm guessing it was probably true back in the day too is they they tried too hard to put their own agenda in and they missed they missed the goddamn story. And, and I'm just like, stop, stop with the agenda, stop with the bias and just tell the damn story. And I mm-hmm. think that's what he did. Um, and I thought it was a really good read. And uh, I forget. Oh, I was doing, a, I was going to do a bull session with Caleb Hawley and his internet service and self service was just not, not working at all. Yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, and also I think there was, I, I was still figuring out, uh, some audio shit on my end sure. and, and for but whatever I, I think that was the day but it just wasn't working and so i was like you know we i was like let me let's, let's try it some other time and and then i i was like well i'll record something tonight couldn't come up with anything and so i just i was had um about a hundred pages left in that book and i saw so i was just well let's knock it out and uh I just I really like that book, and then so I looked him up and found his publisher, and then then I saw where he was uh, he was teaching at and whatever. So I found his email address, and I just sent him an email, and he emailed me back the next morning. Nice. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, it worked worked out really good. And now, like I, I'm for sure going to go to Chicago and have him show me around where the, where the stockyards used to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he he has a museum down there, and and he's just he's just a fucking Chicago guy and and a history guy too. But like he's wrote several books just on the history of Chicago. Um, did you learn anything you didn't know? Would you say? I, I learned a lot um, about kind of that urban decay. Um, because uh, once the, once those uh, Packers, especially like it was IBP that really kind of led the way uh, mm-hmm. to, to to decentralizing the the packing industry. And it's funny is back in the day, all the all the producers were worried about the centralization in Chicago and Omaha, and <laughs> but then, um. Once the once the unions kind of took hold and uh, and the production costs got got bigger and bigger and then trucking more than anything it was trucking it was uh, you know like the unions played a big part yep but it was trucking that that was able to where you could just go pick up the the cattle instead of um, you know having to drive them to a railhead or whatever sure <laughs> and. Um, and and then that led the you know and the, and then the Packers were able to go right to to the rancher, and and, and it's essentially like the ranchers kind of cut their own throat without knowing it at the time. Yeah, and uh, and that led 
everything going away from uh, Chicago and and Omaha and whatnot, and where where before they had these like eight, nine, ten story uh, packing houses, where when they moved them out to uh, like Grand Island or uh, Garden City or uh, Amarillo or wherever, <laughs> it was a two story deal, and it was a lot more efficient, a lot more modern, and. But then you had a bunch of union guys uh, with, you know, mortgages and shit. And then all of a sudden they're just, there's nothing left for them. Yep. And uh, that's when the crime really skyrocketed. Gotcha. And uh, so. I'll I'll give the book a read. That sounds pretty interesting. And it is weird because at one time Chicago was, I mean, that's where cattle went. You know what I mean? So it is weird how rapidly that fell. I mean, like that dynasty did not it, last. No, and, and it, it rose and fell all within 106 years. Like they, they went from nothing to, or, or like just like starting to be something to the top of the world, like the center of the world meat, uh, meat industry. Yep. And then kind of, uh, an afterthought in 106 years. Mm-hmm. Wild. That, that quickly. Like I said, yeah, yeah, that quickly. I mean, it 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 went from, I, I assume that was the largest cattle depot in the U.S., wasn't it? it? had to be the largest. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And now, I mean, is there is there anything left standing of it? Any Is there even a sign? Um, I mean, the gates are still there, and uh, he actually, he runs a museum in, uh, in the old stockyard area, and it's where his uh, granddad worked. He got hurt, um, and then died a couple months uh, months later. Gotcha. <laughs> but his uh, his granddad was uh, immigrated from Poland, mm-hmm. and and started his career as a unskilled worker in the stockyards. You know, so like yeah. right around right around like 1905 or somewhere in there. You know, I got um. This sounds. This is off topic as shit. I am. I was on Google Maps, just kind of looking at Chicago for some reason. It's like trying to understand why Chicago became the cattle depot, and it does make sense because it's. I mean, it's a. It's an in betweener, I guess, for the western. It's definitely central Midwest. You know what I mean? Yeah, but uh, it's also it's on the Great Lakes and, exactly. and on the and the Mississippi River. Mm-hmm. That so it was it was sense. a it was an obvious place before the railroad, and mm-hmm. then once then it became the terminal for the middle of the country for all the railroads. And I'm something that this sounds dumb, and you're going to go. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard Zach say on the podcast. I find it so weird. I grew up in the United States, and if I went north of North Dakota. There is a whole other country of white people doing shit that I know nothing about. <laughs> I know I've got a I've got a handful of uh, Canadian listeners. I got to say the Canadians got to pick up their shit because uh, I, I switched over to a new platform, so I've got a little better um, analytics. And mm-hmm. it's United States is number one. Singapore is number two. Singapore, then Ireland. And then Canada. You, my, my other site was was always U.S., Canada, Australia. Um, so I don't know if it's uh, if it's VPNs or what it is, but uh, Canada 
Yeah. Get your shit together. How many listeners are you getting out of Ireland? Uh, let's see. Uh, I'll pull that up real quick. That's info I need to know before I can get into this cowboy debate. Uh, all right. So, and I, I just, I've been on this news service for about a month. So I've got uh, a little under 11,000 from the U.S. Uh, oh, Australia bumped up. So Australia's second at 709. Singapore is at 544 and 299 from Ireland. Well, anybody out there from Ireland, I encourage you to reach out and message Matt and explain what you're getting out of these talks exactly. Yeah. And also, I will be be in um, Galway putting on a cow. The Buckaroos have been doing a much better job going to Europe and putting on clinics. Yeah. Um, So I will be in Galway next year wrecking the shit out of some of y'all's Highlander cattle. I encourage everyone to come watch. It is a $50 fee to watch me destroy your native fat cattle. Nice. Um, Yeah. And um, also you will be charged for pictures later for the meet and greet. That is not free. I don't care what. (laughs) I've always thought. Cost you at least a pint. At least minimal, like that's uh, whatever it's going to cost. It's not going to be cheap for sure. You people, well, I hear Ireland's corrupt as shit, and a pint gets you a long ways. So that's really it's uh, Ireland is corrupt as shit, huh? I think everybody's corrupt. Everybody's say <laughs> I don't know who's not. I don't know when, when you think Ukraine's really corrupt. Um, I mean, Zelensky sold for, uh, stole four hundred million from us uh, over the last year. Yeah, but then, but then but then you look, uh, you say between like Pelosi and Crenshaw, fuck man, <laughs> they, they stole a lot more than that. Crenshaw is <laughs> such a charge. Oh, he's such a. So I, anyway, back yeah, to this debate idea. Sorry, yeah, back to. Um, it. But go go see Zach in Ireland if you're uh, all 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 you two hundred ninety nine people from Ireland go see yeah. him. Yeah, and um, I'll be doing a head count for sure. Awesome. Yeah. Um. I I think the best way to do this thing, at least to get it started, I get the ball rolling, and this w- we could have an actual series. We'll do best cowboy song. People submit their their song that you think most accurately reflects what it means to be a cowboy, to live the cowboy lifestyle. And then we'll have a pool of topics. We'll we'll uh, if anything doesn't make sense, we'll throw it right on out. Fuck that. Okay. Yeah. It's, so it's it's not a it's not a hundred percent democratic deal, but from there we can narrow it down, and then we can make uh, like we can make like a March Madness type uh, tournament from it. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, and then, you know, like narrow it down. So say, say there's like, like eight songs or something like that. And then we can, we can have people, you know, uh, write in and, and like, all right, here, tell us why this is the best cowboy song. And, uh, and then we can pair them with another song. Okay. And then that way, like, you know, is there really a winner? I don't know. We, we, me and you get to decide that because we're moderators. Yeah, I love that. 
Yeah. And um, but also like that way you're not really calling into uh you're not calling calling out anybody's style. You're you're talking about like words words that somebody wrote when they were when they were thinking about cowboys. Or and sometimes I mean like that that unrung song. Uh I don't I don't know if they were talking about cowboys at all. I just uh but it reminds me of a lot of cowboys when they're when he's talking about this uh, this older guy getting ready to just break this uh this little 22 year old girl's heart. Yeah. <laughs> just and like oh, she has again, no idea, yeah. Again. You know, again. <laughs> but also but like but the the thing that I I was uh the more I listen to that song, and I've, that's that's the one I've had on loop. It just like, uh, is he talking about his uh, hero or is he talking about himself? And at what point does he he go from talking about his hero to talking about himself? Yeah, like this is actually me. Yeah, like you said, like, yeah. Yeah, like I am the piece of shit. Yeah, like I'm I am the I am the wall which it breaks off of. Ah, uh, man, I would love to get Evan Felker on a podcast. Uh, <sighs> I, I would I could talk to that guy for fucking hours. I don't know what I, it would take, but it would be yeah, that would be one of those where honestly it might just be boring because nothing is going to get discussed besides that. Like I don't give a shit where you grew up. You know what I mean? Like I, I know, and there there'll just be like nine autistic people just like that was the best thing ever, dude. <laughs> where does this sadness live in you? And can you tell me how to find it? Yeah, and just like, all right, what, 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 which part of this was real life, and which part was just, uh, you know, making the song? And you know, uh, that, like that song I showed you, like Copper Canteen. I've been like I said that anybody who hasn't listened to James McMurtry, he mm-hmm. is the son of Larry McMurtry, who wrote Lonesome Dove, which is the great Western novel. I would say if there was a Romeo and Juliet of Western novella, it would most likely be Lonesome Dove, I think, yep. for most people. But his son has some great music. I would recommend Ruby and Carlos and Copper Canteen to anybody. Yep. Um, but I like him for the exact same reason. I like Turnpike. And that's, you can listen to one of their songs on repeat five, six times, and you still feel like you kind of get it. But you're like, I, I gotta, I gotta sleep on this one. Like, it's not, it's not, it's everything has, it's there. The lyrics are so layered. You really have to try to discover, like you said, like, who's he talking about? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I, you know, and like, that's, that's one reason I love those types of musicians and especially songwriters is just, I like songs that make me, feel like songs that have an ability to put you into that mindset. Um, And it's something like mainstream country music has completely lost any ability to do. Like they can't hit it anymore. Yeah. It's well, it's just like manufactured, you know, exactly. Like it's, it's like we were talking, it's a formula type deal. It's yeah. uh, uh, Man, it's a, it's all right so like for me the like the quintessential cowboy song um is cowpoke like that 
Uh, it doesn't matter what version. Is it Eddie Arnold? Is it Coulter Wall? Is it Dave Stamey? I don't give a shit. I love that song. I love the lyrics. I love how simple it is. It's just... Uh... <laughs> and one of the reasons I was listening to Unrung because it's a simple guitar part. And like I, I'd like to do a lot more of these shows. And I can play guitar a little bit. I can sing a guitar. Uh, I can mm -hmm. sing a little bit. Can't do both at the same time right now. Sure. Uh, like, but I, I'm tired of being like the the only guy. Like I'm, you know, I love telling jokes and I love telling stories. Yeah. But like, I, I'd like to be able to jam with some guys that that I have on stage. So like, I, I'm not going to be not doing shit at my own show anymore. Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> and uh, so I, I was, uh, I'm, I'm like kicking around songs to learn how to play. And that was one of them. And, and it's a really simple uh, part, but I love the fucking lyrics and same way with Cowpoke. And, and it's just a simple song all the way around, but it just, it kind of in two and a half minutes, it encompasses what cowboy life is. And uh, I don't know, I don't know what that that song is for you, but I think maybe that should be our first debate. We should find a couple moderators. Like Derek Mott said, he would he'd moderate. Yep. So I'll I'll call Derek and uh, and and you you pick one on on your own, and and then your so what's your song? God, I knew it was coming too, and I, you know, as far as one that really pins down it like how i feel about it like the romance of it all i guess probably horses and wars by red steagall um mm. is probably the one i listen to a lot um and it's it is about cowboying and but it's about kind of the brutal change of time too um yeah and it's it always it, it gets me just because same as you we have my family has done this for generations now mm. And I've, you know, known the generations that have passed and did it. And just to hear, like, you know, my great-granddad telling stories of being on the big ranch wagons and the screw worm doctor and crews and then going to my dad, you know, just kind of how things have changed. And it's not that it has went away. It's just – John Langmore put it really well where he said the fringes is where it's changed. You know, yeah. like, I mean, there's a lot of trailering and that sort of shit now, but – at its core, we're doing the same thing, you know, like yeah. it's, it's still punching cows, but the fringes have changed. They've changed. And I'm only 20, I, you know, I'm only 28 now, but it's, um, it's changed drastically even in, since I was a kid, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, um, since, and you know, since my great granddad was doing it, he shit, he would cuss all of us for sheep farmers. Now I'm sure if he could see how we do a lot of shit. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, it's uh, "Horses and Wars" by Red Steagall is what I'll put in for now. Um, that's a toughie because uh, half of my music is like sad songs that have nothing to do with cowboying, and yeah. a quarter of my my shit is cowboy songs that are upbeat, and then the last quarter is sad cowboy songs. So like it's um, like that's kind of what I listen to. See, but I see this is what I I think is going to be a great topic because you have two songs. And, uh, and, and let's, let's get, let's get two people on, on both sides and let's debate the shit out of it. I, I think it'd be great. Yeah. Just like, here's yeah. like, here's and then why, from there, here's why your the Sealy version is bullshit. Yeah. Type thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also like from there, we can, we can expand on that. Like we can pick up on some themes 
and then we can like whatever like the hot button issue is like then 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 we're then this we're is into a, like some actual cowboy debates like this, this is good because you know like whenever i first went up to like northwestern wyoming when i was 19 i listened like where i was from don edwards was huge red steagall was huge rw mm -hmm. was huge um larry mccorder was big then I got up north, and I had never heard of Dave Stamey or Trinity Seeley or a bunch of these guys um, that people were listening to, you know. And uh, even, like, the cowboy music was different. You know what I mean? Chris yeah. Ledoux was actually probably the one who spanned everybody. Kind of you know? everybody, yeah. That, Ian, Ty, that was, that was my cowboy artist, you know. Yeah, exactly. Was yeah, Chris and, and Ian Tyson also spanned really yeah. well. God, I that pisses me. I just thought it like fifty years ago should have been the fucking song, but I'll stick with horses and wars. <laughs> like, oh, I'll stick with, like, um, but uh, yeah, Ian Tyson, he spanned um, at north and south. Everyone loved Ian Tyson. Um, but yeah, like even the Western cowboy artists um, were different drastically from where I grew up to getting up north and some of that more buckaroo type country. Um, well, and then even you go to like the modern day, like that that first um, Ian Munzik album, I was like, man, that's some like it's it's new age, um, you know, it, it's a little poppier than than uh, just about any cowboy song ever. But like, it's a sure enough cowboy song. Like it it wasn't it wasn't the best writing, but it, like it was pretty damn good. And uh, and then he went real. I, I've heard his new uh, his newest album is not bad. Hey, Jameson. I'm doing something, buddy. Um, yeah, um, Cowboy Killer made me want to um, stick a shotgun in my mouth. Um, that was the worst pile of shit I've heard since Florida Georgia Line fucking gave herpes to all of country music. Yeah, it was pretty rough. I don't. My my buddy said his his newest album uh, was worth listening to. I haven't listened to it yet, but I, he's, I, got, I he's got some ground to cover. I was like, oh. yeah, I was going to say he's got a lot of ground to make up, but you know, I like a lot of uh, Bryn Hill. He doesn't get a ton of credit, but I like a lot of Bryn. I like Hill's Bryn Hill. I, um, I like Matt Robertson. I like Darren little. Um, I, you know, you know I, like I, I didn't even really know a Darren until Facebook. And then I started listening to a lot of Darren stuff and he does a, you can tell he's punched cows for a living. Like he does a yeah. really good job of selling it. The mainstream, mainstream, the popular guy is doing it now. Coulter Wall has done a hell of a good job maintaining yeah. Sandra, um, as well as a uh, Corblund has done as good a job as anybody. I would say Corblund is one of the best songwriters to ever walk this this earth. I think mm -hmm. I, I I really. Uh, his songs are so fucking smart. Just oh, I all of them. Uh, he's a that's he's he's. I would act as far as his songwriting goes. Um, he is extremely clever, and he also has kind of that. I call it the Bob Wills tendency. So he can yeah. be very humorous in a lot of his songs. Yeah. Like I love the truck got stuck. Um, it's one of my. It's kind of one of his goofier ones, but I love oh, it. He's he's on record saying that he like wished he never would have wrote that. No shit. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I think it's great. well. I'm not not necessarily he. What did he say? Um, he said he he wrote that. It was the dumbest fucking thing he ever wrote, but uh, it made him a lot of money. So whatever. yeah. <laughs> 
but and, and 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 it's one of the more requested songs that he has. And he's like, I I wrote all these other ones that I'm really proud of, but you yeah. want to you want to hear Truck Got Stuck? One of the first one of the first thanks, buddy. One of the first ones I heard by Corblund. It's been years ago now, but it was I want to be in the Calvary, but it was the reprise version. Oh, that's I like that better. I mean, I love the original. The but, replies but, is the one I always, it's the one I listen to. I remember uh, it, 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 it just, it reminds me of uh, fucking uh, George Pickett, you know? Yeah. And it just, it's, and, it's, and even it's, though Pickett wasn't a, a cavalry officer, but it reminded sure. me of George Pickett, you know, just I like that, just, that I mean, slow walk back to your lines after yeah. your entire like, unit got cut unit, down. Yeah. It's been like destroyed. And it was like, that was what kind of sold me. On Core Blunt, when I heard that, was I was like, "Holy shit!" You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's that was like the final verse. If you can listen to that and not feel something, I don't know how. Um, mm. It's um, but no, like I, Corb and Core Blunt and Culture Wall both are still putting out really good cowboy music. Um, not that other people aren't. They are. They have the two largest followings i would say as yeah. far as this uh, see yeah. and and i'm still like i'm i'm pretty sold on culture wall at this point but i still i want to i want to hear some original shit from him like i want to see what he's sitting on you know I'm, it's his first album was original music and great you know what i mean it so was good like, like, he, i mean he just put out bangers and the last couple albums have all been uh old cowboy covers which i love don't get me wrong yeah. I'll listen to the shit out of them. But um, yeah, as a fan of like songwriting, I'm like, what do you got? What are you working on? The, like, it, like, have you run out or what? After a match, I mean, and he really, I mean, he had like Kate McCann but that song came out in like 20, I can look it up. That That's like 2016, 17, right? Like that, yeah. It was, it was, it's been a minute. Yeah, that was 2017, and like that was 13 silver dollars came out, and after that, like he hasn't really come out with anything original. It's all been kind of new age stuff. Um, yeah, it's just been it's covering cowboy songs or something like that. And would like I said, don't get me wrong, I love it, but I like I want to see what he's got. Like, are you working on something, or are you uh, you know like you went and found yourself? He went. And, he went cowboy for a while. Now he's got himself, uh, you know, a ranch up in in Canada. So, like, you, the, got, um, you, got, you got something in the bank, or are you, dude, you calling it good? That guy turned down the Joe Rogan podcast. And I, I how I'm crazy like, is that? I'm like, you know what, Balt? Like, respect. Like, you know, but uh, also, if he had a manager, I know that guy quit that day. Like, I I can't get you better steam. Than the Joe yeah. Rogan podcast, like that's that, that is the biggest platform on that's, planet you, Earth. You, you will never get enough radio play, enough Spotify download. Nothing will ever cover Out, outside of playing the Super Bowl halftime show. That, that is as big as it gets. That there is no better free. I mean, that was all the free advertising he would have needed yeah. to be a cabillionaire. <laughs> like today. I mean, he already got it just from Rogan mentioning him, mm-hmm. and. Do you ever listen to like uh, Charlie Stout? Uh, oh, dude, I love. I saw Charlie Stout at the uh, Outside Circle show in Elko. Nice uh, last year, 
And I shook his hand. I talked to him a little bit in the parking lot of Stockman's. And uh, I need to get get a hold of him again because so, uh, I'd like to have him on the show. But that um, like, what is the name of that song? But uh, um, I see stars is probably my favorite. Yes, yeah, that's I it. See I see Ocotillo blowing in the wind. wind like, yeah, that, yeah, we. That's- that's a great driving song Um, oh yeah it makes me sad my wife makes fun of me because i've cried to that song she's like why are you you've never been shot at by texas rangers i'm like it's not the point every time every time the mckinley family goes anywhere i guarantee you will you know over like two hours drive we we got we got charlie stout on Um, i love that album i'm looking at it right now it was called um flatland murder ballads and high plains hymns yeah and he's he's from somewhere in the panhandle. Yeah, he's I know his cousin. Five hundred golden pieces um, no and a shoulder full of lead. A worn out horse between my feet, pounding in my head. I love those. Got to make it to the border, Lord. This ain't no place songs, to die. You know? On the river's northern shore, underneath the Texas sky, I see stars. I see Ocotillo blowing in the wind. Feel the breathing of my pony. I know we've reached the end. Hear hoofbeats in the distance and the shouts of angry men. Other rangers may surround me; they'll never take me in. Yeah, I I fucking love that shit. Um, that that's oh, yeah. a good. It's not so much a cowboy song. That's like a good western song, you know. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, oh, I, I love I love those type of ballads. Um. The one of the best songs I've ever seen played live was Randy Rogers band played Tommy Jackson. And it was a, it was a crowd of about 30 people up in Fort Collins. Um, they were supposed to open for, for ragweed. Um, uh, I forget which one is the drummer in, in ragweed, but he broke his hand up in Laramie. And so, so they canceled and, uh, and then we got snowed in. So oh. it was either, you know, get your money back or you can come see Randy Rogers play. Yeah. And, and he played his fucking ass off. And I requested Tommy Jackson because I just, I love those fucking bandit songs, you know, the, out, yeah. the outlaw songs. And he's like, shit, man, I haven't played that song in so long. And, uh, but so he went up there just on a stool and played it uh, acoustic. And it was fucking beautiful, man. You know, it's like, that's the story of the West. It's it just Robert Duvall actually said, he said, like, you know, like every country kind of has their claim, not their claim to fame, but their claim to art. Like, yeah, obviously the British are renowned for their Shakespeare. Um, you know, the Scots got their, um, oh, come on, um, Braveheart. Yeah, um, like everybody basically gets their own. You know, everyone get they get Lawrence of Arabia or whoever. Um, every culture gets theirs. And he said, you know, what the United States got was the Western. Like there is no better background for storytelling than the Western. And I think that is one reason I tell people, like, you know, the reason I I like very off. I, the reason I can't hang with mainstream country is because the Western backdrop gives you a 
beautiful backdrop to tell any story on. And, I mean, yeah. love ballads, revenge ballads, suicide ballads, I mean, anything. And the cowboys genre- are always cooler than farmers, dude. Oh, dude, who the fuck grows up and is like, I want to be a farmer? <laughs> I had some, I had some gal from Mississippi. Uh, she was like, anybody that uh, refers themselves as cowboy has probably only uh, worked cattle in an arena. It's, <laughs> it's hand. What? I was like, fuck. She was, she was from Mississippi. Oh yeah, big ranch country down there. Uh, and I said the only hands from Mississippi are from an overly touchy relative. Yeah. <laughs> Parish <laughs> is boy. Uh, I uh, I uh, a, a couple of years ago. Some people probably remember this as a joke on a fun bartering website on Facebook. All I posted was, "If you blanket your horses, you're a cotton farmer." It was just <laughs> I, I was remember bored. that. I, I was ju- I was at a car dealership trying to get into a new wagon. I was like, "I'm bored as shit." So. Let's just see what happened. Figure most people would, ha, ah, you know, good one. I figured I'd get some combativeness. I'm not kidding you. I literally had three or four people send me, not like, like legitimate death threats of like, if I find you, I will kill you. And I was like, Jesus Christ, like you fucking cotton farming motherfucker. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> my ass. Like, people have the dumbest opinions on shit. And, um, you were speaking of the hand. I had a lady there. She said, like, I, nobody would want to be known as a cowboy. My grandfather was a hand on many ranches, and he only wanted to be called a stockman. And I was like, and all I put was like, your granddad would probably wasn't worth a fuck. You know what I mean? I was like, your granddad. <laughs> he sent me a death threat. There's a 70 year old woman sending me death threats. Oh, that's and I was funny. Like, I was like, tell me where your grandpappy punch cat. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah. It, oh, like, yeah, he I'm, did I'm not. Sh- you know, I don't know anybody. It's like, you know, I'm a stockman. It's like, then you suck. You and Buck Brandeman should go blow each other. You know what I mean? Uh, I, was like, oh, like, I, I forget. Know. I forget what. Um, yeah, she said it was hand. Oh, and also I said, yeah, she said, if you if you refer yourself as cowboy, you probably only work cattle in the arena. And I, and I said, if you took my tweet as serious you're probably a damn sod buster yeah. <laughs> this is real farmer shit right here yeah. I mean, like you are getting very sensitive and then uh yeah she she's like i took it from your profile and uh and then i yeah and then i went to her profile and she's from mississippi and i was like well yeah the only the only hands from mississippi are overly touchy relatives and that's i somebody posted a picture of a I can't, oh, it was some lady. She saw a picture of a bit and was going through the natural horsemanship speech to everybody mm. on the site. And I told her, like, one time I traded for a little mare who was off the racetrack and had no reverse gear. And I said, so one day I was mad. I hopped off, jerked my reins as tight as I could get them and half-fixed them around the horn and saw a two-by-four laying there. And by the time we were done, I was left with a toothpick and a new reverse gear. And I was like, the horse makes it as brutal as they want to. You know what I mean? Like that, the, I I honestly believe you could put a chainsaw chain in a horse's mouth. And if you got tender hands, won't hurt them a bit. You know what I mean? I was like, I don't believe, because the Californios bits, like the big spade bits and shit, the horsey people see them and lose their minds on those bits. Like what a cruel tool. I'm like, it's actually the exact opposite. You know what I mean? Like exactly. Because you don't put them. You don't even put them in their mouth until they're fucking. They're 
all their they're already pretty goddamn good. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, even like back home, like nobody used spades much. Usually, we went to like a solid port grazer bit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, done. Yeah, um, like a high port or a cathedral was yeah, like about, like, about as ex, you know big as, as you saw. That's I guess. as acidic as he got. Yeah, and like it, like you only put that shit into a finished horse. You know what I mean? Like that never went yeah. into a fucking two year old's mouth. You know what I mean? Like I was like, yeah, that was, like that finished horse shit. But horse women from the southeast and just the Midwest in general are extremely opinionated on such matters. Oh, so, West Coast, same way. I have to say, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of Fort Collins horsey bitches out there that have some stupid opinions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, I I got my ass fucking reamed at the CSU Equine Center when I was working <laughs> there my, my senior year. Um, so it was the Colt starting class, mm-hmm. and uh, I was I was feeding that day, and like the class ran long or something like that. But I because like, they they normally weren't there, but I w- I was going through and I was I was tossing hay, and uh, and the professor was just like yanking on this horse's mouth, mm-hmm. I'm just fucking letting her have it. And yes. it's like, don't get me wrong, I've done that too. It's not good. When it when it comes to that that level, like I usually know, like I I probably should just put this horse away because I'm not doing not doing any good. But it's usually a spot where I can't. Sure. <laughs> and um, but anyway, I was like, uh, but then it was like two or three colts in a row that she was doing this, and I was like, hey, have you ever thought about like not yanking on their face? And uh. Oh man, she ripped my fucking ass right in front of this class. Oh, uh, but like, but her her like assistant professor came up to me and she's like, uh, "You want to make some money after hours?" I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, yeah. I was like, "I don't even have a saddle up here." <laughs> and she she's like, oh, "We got we got extras." I was like, all right, cool. So I rode some shitty saddles, but I and and some pretty I rode some pretty nice horses on some really shitty saddles. Well, uh, all after hours, but well, it's hard because like whenever you're in a spot to where you're training horses or training on horses and there's no expectation of productivity, nor most guys, unless you're just kind of a jacked off idiot or they're pretty soft handed and they're trying to step through. It's usually when there's an expectation of productivity that things get a little rough handed, like, you know, we're sorting cattle this three-year-old's been doing good and now he sold completely up on me. And like, that's where you can't make people that don't cowboy for a living really understand. Cause a lot of times it's like, this isn't horse training time. Like we're about to have a wreck. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this, he had, I, if he doesn't get where we need to be, I'm he's no one chews his ass. You know what I mean? Like they chew mine. So like, yeah, well, it's just like, you know what? Fuck his ribs. I need, yeah, like, I, I got to stick a spur right here. So like, we, we, so we don't die. Yeah. I could save us an hour and a half of work here or something like that. If he will just get 20 yards this direct, you know what I mean? Like, but yeah. And that is where it's hard to make straight horse people a lot. And I'm, I know some really good horse hands who savvy all this shit. But a lot of the horsey type people that are oh slow is fast and you know never yeah. push the horse further. And I'm like, well, you never want to, 
but also like pressure makes horses. I mean, a lot of my horses have been in some stupid that I put them in a lot of times. A lot of times it was my yeah. fault, but they came out better because of it, because it was like, my bad. I got us here. Don't lose your mind. I'll get us out. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Also, it, and then there's sometimes you're just like, well, fuck, they got to learn sometimes. So, it, and that's it too. Sometimes I, I've got it. I was on the diamond a ranch in Northern Arizona, actually riding the horse. Um, uh, he was four years old, which is usually when those horses went into the wagon stream when I was yeah. there on the ranch. And um, he was doing really well. Uh, I really liked the horse, but to my knowledge, hadn't I hadn't roped off him yet, and I don't think anybody had. We had a big red herd bull completely quit us, and he was headed for the high country. And this is a – this pasture, I think, that was last chance. I think that pasture is like 65,000 acres, you know, like just the no, – Just so a little he, fella. Yeah, well, yeah, and it's like we're not going to get him in the fall. You know what I mean? Like, if he's gone, he's way gone. Like, we're not yeah. going back to, you know, gathering this afternoon. And this son of a bitch was putting his – me and this horse, we ran back and we're fighting him, fighting him, and there was a – there's a big – that last chance country is pretty flat, but then you bust into some really breaky shit. And he was headed for the breaky shit and whipping our ass. And finally, I was like – if I come back without a bull or, you know, if I'm not injured and I'm bullish, there's ass chewings coming. So yeah. Like, you know, buddy, like you're now's the time to learn. So I built a loop and very shakily, you know, like I said, I was yeah. like, please <laughs> let me miss. You know, like just please God let me miss. I didn't. And we got him roped. And um he was a lot. That buddy horse was at first, you could tell I was like, well, cause I was tied off. I didn't dally at all then for the most part. Um that was in my younger years and um, took about five minutes for us to get everybody jerked around solid before buddy finally savvied what we were doing that horse. And um, we got that bull tied down out there next to a windmill, like I said, like, and he was after that, we went to roping on that booger. I did. He was in my string and he was solid. So yeah, was that where I wanted to teach him how to stand there and hold a rope? Like, no, no. I mean, like you said, sometimes it's like, I mean, we got nothing but fresh air and opportunity here. So, yeah. Like, well, and sometimes like that, that's the only good. chance I got. Like, yeah. I mean, if, if I blow this, I mean, it, there's going to be ass chewings handed out. You know what I mean? Like that, we're not yep. coming back for him. That fucker. Yeah. And it's one of those deals. That's a big enough rant. It's like, he may have missed together two years in a row for all I know. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if he's, you know, if, if he's already this shitty, who knows when the last time he came in was. So like we need to get him. And um we got him, but it was uh it was one of the few times in my life right before I threw, I literally thought, like, if I miss and he gets away, that's all right. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah. that's okay with me if yeah. I don't get him caught. Now, if <laughs> if you see the boss or the owner uh, build a loop and take after something, you better step down and tighten a cinch and then haul ass because you know that you know that fucker needs ropes. Yes, crack everyone's <laughs> ass right now. Like you said, yeah. like you need to be shitting. Yeah. yeah, get get tight and get after him. That shit to this day, in which I've worked a lot of wheat field cattle and shit now, and to this day, nothing pisses me off more than you'll have a loop built and something gets out of hand or you got one, just an idiot, Southeastern, that's just yeah. bombing ass. And uh, you roll up there and let's say you miss and you're like, hell, I got another guy with me. And you look back and he's, you know, he's 
300 yards back there trotting with a loop built. So, you plan on getting in the game? Or, you know, I was yeah. like, <laughs> Uh, you know, you don't pack that long of a rope. Like, get your ass up here. I mean, yeah, like, no shit, man. I, I've never yeah. got guys that wanted to cowboy and then were scared to rope. I, if they took my rope away, I'd quit cowboy. And I was like, fuck this. There's nothing that pisses me off more. And I'm not a great roper at sure, all. I'm with you. I, yeah. I'm not a, not the best roper. I'll get a job done. Sure. I'm but saying. there's nothing that'll piss me off more than somebody says they can rope and then they can't. I've, I've been there and it, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm it, just like, Hey, can you, can you pick up two? Can you pick up one? Can mm-hmm. you pick up one? If you pick up one, we're good. Yeah. Like, yeah, I got it. And then, then they're like, all of a sudden you're tight and they're like, Hey, um, I've never actually dallied before or and you're like, Oh fuck. Okay. Well, uh, I just get off the flank him and then head to the tack house. Yeah. You. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. One of those was like an eight hundred pound steer, and I was like, "God damn!" And, and I was also like, it was a brand new rope, and it was uh it was a hind leg abscess, mm-hmm. and mm. you're just like, "I don't want to smell this thing for three weeks." I just uh, yeah, bought, just, the, I just bought the motherfucker up here, yeah. <laughs> and and so then, yeah. Well, and they could they couldn't pick up two, and I was like, "All right, well, I've got him stopped." Sure. Here, you hop on my horse, and, uh, yeah, and they're like, "But then they didn't know how to hold the dally either." And I was like, "Oh fuck, never mind." <laughs> so I got back on my horse and tripped him, and uh, uh and yeah, and ruined a rope for. <laughs> I had a for we, no good goddamn reason. We hired a kid, and. Ended up having to fire him. He wasn't a bad guy. I still, to this day, I like him. He's a good kid. Um, And he told me how much he liked to rope. Boy, I love to rope. This is in the feed yard. Mm. And I will say, you kind it's kind of like, it, you got, I mean, like there's, and you know this because you've been on all of it, but when you're outside, there's certain ways you can rope. If you're in a row deer or if you're on wheat field cattle or if you're in the feed yard, there's, you have to kind of adjust your roping style and the yeah. feet are tough on a lot of guys because you don't have any room. No. And a lot of times you'll get one loop before they all smell a rat. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. and so see that's where that uh that long rope really comes into play. Well, like, and yeah. that was that plays into the story. So I normally pack thirty-eight foot in that yard and I tied off some and I dallied on slick some, just depended on my mood. Um those feedlots get so damn slick sometimes being tied off. Even for me, I can admit I get a little chicken hearted. I mean, you get something jerked around, it'll be flat on its ass. Um, yeah. So he told me he had team rope. Well, he brought, he had a 28 foot rope that he used and had a big, had a post horn with rubber on it. Oh, fuck. Um, <laughs> well, the first day he, we went to rope something, um, he was pulling calves and he built a loop run out there and he did, uh, he necked him. And never even went to the horn, just watched it run through. And I thought, God damn, he, you know, must not have been ready or something. So I closed the gate and I went and I got it necked and he got his rope back and I drug it out and this kind of continued. He was, I couldn't let him ride alone because the kid could catch, but he couldn't get to the horn ever. I mean, he, I would say like seven times out of 10, not only his dally's never got there. So I finally, one day I pull up. 
and he has he's lost his rope and he's tied his rope to the fence and his calf is just you know he the calf is on its side shaking because he can tell he you know it choked down just barely yeah. the fence and he's leading his horse up and trying to get his rope untied and I said tie that calf down get your rope get mounted I'll untie it that way there's nothing you know you don't get halfway up or something and he gets up and we got it drug out and I said I let guys tie off. So if you want to tie off, tie off. If you don't want to tie off, they sell those ropes up to a hundred foot. You know what I mean? Like it. Yeah. I said, but like this shit ain't going to work. Like you have got to figure out if you want to be a dally man, get faster or bring more line or both. You know what I mean? I was like, and if you don't, that's fine. Throw a horn knot in it. But whatever you do, I don't care how you do it. You have got to learn how to be good at it. Like this is not okay. Yeah. it's, I, you know, I'm not mad, but if that manager pulls up here and sees that calf season, he's going to be real pissed. And the ass chewing goes to me, and then the one I give to you is worse. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah. like, like that. You have to keep in mind, people are Shit watching. rolls downhill. Yes, and like people are watching, and it ended up had to turn the guy loose. But he was one of those weird guys where I mean, he was he. It wasn't that he couldn't necessarily rope. The guy could catch. He just, you had to, I mean, he was, he didn't know what to do after he caught it. It was like, you know what I mean? It's like, I mean, that's not handy. Like, that doesn't work. That's one of those things. Like, everybody can catch something at some point. Like, everybody can catch, but like, it's, yeah, when the, when it comes tight, that's, that's when you know if you're a cowboy or not. And, And uh, and that's one reason I am so unopinionated and why I would be a horrible guy to defend the cow puncher shit by myself. Because, um, I, like I said, I've got a, I've got a post horn on my saddle and I've got a couple of really cool horn knots made. And I also have some, I mean, I pack usually a 45 footer now and I, I'm a big believer in like, I honestly do not give a single shit. You can, if you're good at it, tie off to the D rings, tie off to their tail. I don't give a shit. I don't care. Just be good at it. And if you're not good at it, you don't have an opinion. I don't give a shit. If you're yeah. you don't let's, get, let's go punch cows. Exactly. Go. Yeah, exactly. It's like you, you, if you're not good at it, and I've seen, I've seen a lot of tied off guys that were, my God, you know, I tie that son of a, I run that tiger chain to the peg. I'm always ready. And it's like, you can do that because you've never caught anything. You know what I mean? It's like you're in no fear of getting in a wreck because you don't catch shit. Uh, oh. I, I, I've heard on both sides of the, the debate, and it's, and it's always from, from somebody who probably ties their, their uh, split reins in a knot. <laughs> but, but they're like, uh, if, if you call yourself a puncher back in the day, puncher was meant for the oh, the, hand, the handlers at the stockyards and they punched them with a stick. And you're like, and if, if you call yourself a buckaroo, it's because you couldn't actually hang with the California guys. And like, uh, both of you guys talking have never actually cowboyed in your life or buckarooed. I, I saw just one- like, yeah, 100%. I saw a post from a guy who was like, um, when he was in New Mexico, he said he asked a guy, you know, how long have you been a cowpuncher? And he said the old man ran up and grabbed him by his shirt collar and said, you know, you don't ever call me a cowpuncher. That's a, you know, that's, a, you know, an insult. And he was like, you know, basically he was asking if it was an insult. And I grew up in the middle 
of cow puncher country. My great granddad, who started punching cows in the 30s, um, he called himself a cow puncher. Teddy Blue Abbott called himself yeah. a cow puncher, who in that yeah. 1780s. So did, like, so did uh, Charlie Russell. Yep. And uh, Bob Fudge, same thing. Like, yeah. I was like, it's been. It's been common terminology for a man of horseback since the 1870s, I would guess. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it's not new. And also, I, even the cowpunchers I worked around, if you'd have walked up and been like, how long you been a buckaroo? They've been like, eh, you know, like 30 years. They don't give a shit. You know, they've been like, eh, whatever. <laughs> like, I don't, sure. <laughs> like you said, See, I don't. That, that's, that's what, and so, like, that. that's why our original deal would have never worked. Because... <laughs> yeah, I guess they're like, eh, whatever. You know, like you said, like, yeah. Eh, like if you, if you ask them to defend defend their style, if somebody would have said like my style is better than yours, they'd been like, maybe where you're from, but come out yeah. my and and like I said, it would have just turned into a bull session. But I do but, like your idea of let's let's get away from that topic, go to kind of a broader topic. Yeah, it's got you know and see what kind of data we gather off of these choices. You know what I mean? Like yeah. see kind of what that looks like. I do. I like that because like I said, just even like the Northern versus Southern cowboy songs look different. So I think yeah. you'll get a lot of neat input off that. Well, and also like you may get some that are not even cowboy songs, but if you make a compelling argument for it, Hey, you, uh, might, yeah, it's like, you might, you might win the room. You know, there's a ton of songs that aren't about cowboying that I relate to from the cowboy mm -hmm. side. Like, um, what, well, um, one I really relate to for some reason or another, um, you've heard it. I'm, it's an old song from the seventies, but it's, I gave up good morning, darling. And we love you daddy for this. Have yeah. You heard it? Okay. Oh, yeah. For some reason as a cowboy, I relate cause like, it's like as dumb as it sounds, I know a ton of good cowboys living on some remote ass camp that all have the same story of, yeah, hell I was married and I got a boy that lives in town. You know, I still try to see him, but it, you know, it, I did, she didn't want to do this for a living and I did. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and you gave up the family man dream to live in squalor. You know what I mean? I was like yeah. to live in a rat infested squalor. Like, yeah. I mean, like that's you know that's what I wanted to do. It's like, hey, bully on you, dude. Like I get uh, it. Well, and also Bob Seger turned the page like oh, that. God. That's such a good cowboy song. Like when he like, is it a woman or is it a man? Um, like that doesn't usually uh, refer to a cowboy. But like, how many times have you walked into a place with your spurs and they're like, oh, you gotta go ride the bull or something? Like, <laughs> no, man, I just I just got done riding. Yeah. Like, I, just pick these up at the store. Actually. Yeah, but, but it's it's such yeah. like a relic that some people are like, oh, okay, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Chill. I uh, no, there have been like that's, and I yeah, you and me discuss that a lot. But like the the, I always hate to say the cowboy culture because I think it's too encompassing. Uh, yeah. Um, and by that, I like there. If you're a cowboy in your heart, you're a cowboy. Yeah, and that's and you know, and that's something a lot of people just don't understand because when you've done it for a living, it's like, you know, you just I appreciate what you're saying and the values you think come from cowboy culture, but I, I will tell everybody 
I've worked on several large, reputable ranches in about eight states. A lot of cowboys I've met are degenerate, outlaw, sons of bitches. <laughs> yeah. They're good help. Everybody loves seeing them trot up the hill. You know what I mean? Yep. It's like, God, I'm glad he's here. They're not good citizens. I mean, and there's some of them that just need to stay away from town when they That's, are when they're in the Remuda, when they're when they're holding road deer, when they're blowing two one. Like yeah, like you and your kids and your kids' kids will look up to them. Yeah, when they when they go to town, they're probably going to end up in jail for something <laughs> really like fucking it, stupid and, prob- and probably weird. Yeah, like, like and that's it. <laughs> I've had trouble explaining that to people because, like the the John Wayne esque, you know, vision of the American cowboy of you know patriotism and you know good goodwill to all men and always helping out a neighbor. And I'm like, man, I've known some really good cowboys that definitely put a brand on something they shouldn't. Oh, have. <laughs> like, I, like, that's I like, saw some deal on Facebook here. It's been a while back, but they're. And it, I think it maybe even on my been on my page, but like it was like a a a, a comment on one of my posts, and was like, uh, "What does a cowboy mean to you?" or whatever. And some some lady was like, uh, "Cowboy holds his hand over his heart for the national yes. anthems. He loves yeah. Jesus, and uh, blah blah blah." And I was like, "What?" And, and you know, <laughs> I was like, "Have you?" Have you ever met a working cowboy ever? Yeah, and like also, <laughs> what's a cowboy mean to you? It's like nothing you just listed had to do with punching. Like nothing. Put that on a resume. Not a, like, not a little bit. As uh, yeah. told me what they can do with a yeah, cow. It's like, how are you with sick calves? You know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. like, like, what? Uh, like, this doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah, <laughs> can you tell me when that when that cow is gonna like jump ship and and run? Yeah, like when is she checking out? You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's like it's it's just weird because we're one of, and we're it's there's been other cultures that the kind of the common think commandeered for themselves, but I wouldn't say there's any that have been commandeered like the working cowboy has. Um there's damn uh, probably the mafia. That'd be about the only thing I can okay, think of. That could damn sure that could be in the running, yes. Um, but just I, I and I had a girlfriend who um back in the day, and she used to tell me, you know, my my daddy told me, like, you know, we were raised to believe like there's a spirit of the cowboy. And I was like, no. <laughs> and I used to tell her, like, it's not true. I no. was looking at a bunk house in New Mexico at the time, and I was like, Well, your spirit wouldn't get you in the cook shack here. You know what I mean? I was like, that's oh. a shit. Like, do you notice how like I do drugs? And like, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, where does well, that bring into this? I was in a I was in a bunkhouse in Big Sandy, Montana, and I was I was working with a guy and I was as wet behind the ears as it comes. And uh and this dude was like, I think he was 48 and he was fucking the shit out of an 18 year old that would come up when he was when he was working night cabin duty you know and uh, she she drove 80 miles out to see him and i only thing i could figure is he had a giant dick (laughs) because it was it was not i mean i guess there was about 30 miles of good road and about 50 miles of not not great and um 
and she still did it. And I was like, well, that guy must be doing something right because yeah. he was he was like a, a little round tubby fella. Yeah. And you're like pulling that shit around. But he uh he was Texas to the core. He let everybody know he was from Texas and oh uh, yeah. We like to rep it. Yeah, and uh, I was like, Montana. Yeah, and I was like, you know, it was just uh that that was that was my most cowboy moment. I mean, I was in a fucking bunkhouse in northern Montana by myself and I was as me and my dog. Yeah. And uh and then on the next, you know, the next headquarters over it was uh was uh TJ and and uh and he was he was banging girls that were younger than me. And <laughs> right on. And I was like that that's that's fucking cowboy shit. And uh I don't know <laughs> if if you're asking him if he's holding his hand o- uh, over his heart during the national anthem. No, he's probably plowing a fat chick in the bathroom. Yeah, like what? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, when you're talking about like the most cowboy you've ever felt, that is fun like I was trying to think of the most, you know, cowboy I've ever felt. And I've had a few moments. One was pushing yearlings off of uh, Sierra Grande in New Mexico when I was about 18, 17, mm-hmm. 18. It was kind of my first venture to a ranch on my own. Yeah. That was um, – I felt about 10 foot tall then. Um, jingling in horses in northern Arizona – um, I remember the sunlight was it, the sun was just about down, and I was watching all sixty five head of this wagon remuda as we gathered them in. And I kind of, you kind of had a moment where you're like, you know, if this ain't cow punching, I'd like to see what it looks like because it sure smells like punching cow. You know what I mean? Like this, yeah. Uh, this sure feels western. And probably the other one was I was we had a shit ton of Maverick cattle that had got away from guys through the years and the bloody and Tonto basin region of central Arizona. And I was tying one up to a tree so I could come back and get him tomorrow. And I, he had horns and I bobbed his horns and I'd already cut his nuts out. Cause it was pretty cool that morning. And I walked over cause I was heating a running iron. And I remember I had a moment standing over this little fire I'd made with a little running iron I'd put together in the shop. And I kind of looked around at the Verde River, you know, rolling and all the brush and the desert mountains up above me. And I was like, man, you know, I've always been average help. But in this moment, like, I feel like, you know, I feel like in a way I haven't made it yet, but I can at least stand in the circle and drink beer with those guys. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know, at the you're never there, but I think you do have moments where you kind of look around and you think about, you know, like shit, man, 10 years ago, there ain't no way I could have done this shit. You know what I mean? I'd have been just yeah. Lord lost. And it's it's fun to kind of look back at those. It's a huge reason why a cowboy, I guess, is for, in a way, it's those moments of accomplishment when you finally get that, you know, you finally get a Johnny Blocker to land that you've been fucking with on a dummy for the last six yeah. months. Or, you know, that your horse finally, you know, you set him up and he drags his ass and you do a quick turnaround and you're like, God damn, that's pretty nice. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's some cool shit right there. Like uh, that's there's... part of it, you know, is the, you know, the, it's not beating your chest of look at me, but it's just, you know, look where I'm headed top stuff. Yeah. I, I always liked, um, 
like when I when I'd get some some guys from from a ranch uh, outside there, and when like particularly when we were in uh, doing that uh, confined cow calf deal in in, yep. uh, in oh, Kansas, shit. yeah, and uh, and you'd have some cocky dude coming in from a ranch, and and don't get me wrong, like ranch cowboys typically are a lot better quality than than feedlot cowboys. That's that. I would say like, on the average, you're probably right. Yeah, generally speaking, yes. But there, there was nothing better than they they come in like feeling real high on themselves, and then uh, you'd like you'd be holding something, and then you'd you'd go in and sort something off, uh, and like rope them as you're sorting them off uh, mm-hmm. that they that they had already missed, and you're like, hey, this is what we're looking for over here. Um, it's a it's a whole different and. And most of those guys would be like, "Oh, fuck, okay, that's what I'm looking at now." Like, and, but but some of them would get real pissed, and and a couple of them quit. And mm-hmm. like, but also, it's like, "Hey, man, you're coming into my world. Like, uh, when I'm going out there, I'll listen to you because I, I I'm not sure what exactly I'm looking at. It's not my and it's not my territory. I my would country. tell every ranch cowboy that I've ever worked with." If you would do a little, it doesn't have to be forever, but if you would do a little stint in a feed yard. Mm. You'll learn a lot of shit. You learn a lot of shit you're not going to get exposed to outside. And I can tell you my loop arsenal as far as what I could throw when I got there and now what I can throw, it's a world of difference. And most of that, everyone talks about the, you know, don't stir them up, that kind of shit. There's no better place to figure that out than in confinement of like, yeah, he's, you know, I don't love where he's standing, but if I press it anymore, I'm going to have 400 head of these little shits mobbing yep. this table. Yeah. Um, ease, him, ease him up to the bunk and try to get him going to your right. Yeah. And just like I said, just I, I threw, I, you know, backhands were kind of a novelty for me at Brandon's mm-hmm. and shit just because I didn't usually need them. Outside on ranches, unless it was like a sure enough foot rod or something, 90% of your shots you're going to get is stuff moving out. You know what I mean? It's just how it is. It's usually bunch quitters. If it's a pink eye, if they're so blind they stand there, you probably fucked up and should have got there a week ago. You know what I mean? (laughs) The other side is if they're just blind in one eye, they're inclined to panic because they can't see shit out of this side. And they're just gonna fucking run. They <laughs> said, like, I don't know why I did it, but it can't be here. So, like, outside the amount of loops I got to throw, you know, if you could just run up and neck them, and then if you had a, a good hula hand to throw in there, yeah. you could get along. The feed lot is actually where I had to learn to get a little more creative and start getting comfortable throwing a little more rope. I mean, yeah. before I had never picked up a coil in a rope, just didn't need it. You know what I mean? I had yeah. never been somewhere where I was like, man, I need to pick up a coil. And it's awkward as shit that first time. Oh my God. The coil slap. You know what I mean? Like I said, <laughs> once you figure it out though, it's, it's something every outside guy should have the chance to do because I know feedlots aren't sexy, but the undeniable truth of it is it's an aspect of the cow-calf deal. Number one, how are, I mean, it's 
debatably where the money's made a lot of times on the cow-calf side of things. If you mm-hmm. want to talk about seeing sick cattle and understanding the difference in that fucker's sick and that fucker's having a bad day, go ride through about 20,000 of them for about two years straight. Yeah. And you'll finally be able – because and I know a lot of outside guys, and this isn't an insult, their dog shit was sick calves. Um, oh, they can't see shit. What they can see, they the, I've seen they two. Can, they can see bad eyes way, way quicker than I can. And but out, outside of that, the thing them. with me with a lot of, and I was one of them. I mean, I, I'm man enough to say it was a shortcoming of mine outside. Either they were too far gone sick where I should have, I mean, three days previous would have made a world of difference if he'd have had yeah. a little injury. Or you're roping a bunch of shit that, I mean, I've known guys on straight native born calves that they turned out on wheat. They're like, man, we doctored 30%. And you'll go out there and look and like, why? You know, what, what are you seeing? Well, look at him. And you're like, yeah, he's hot. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, why yeah. doctor him? You, you know, they never looked if he, if his hawks were popping or any, you know, it, how, you know, has he been to water? It, how far is he from where you saw him yesterday? You know, like it, well, and also like walk him around, like make him trot twenty yards. Does he cough? Yeah, the, you know, like I said, does that old white shit come blowing out of both nostrils? Yeah. Like it. The only way to get good at sick cattle is being them constantly. Mm-hmm. But a lot of outside cowboys I've seen were not very good sick cattle guys. They can rope like a motherfucker, but they can't. They can't diagnose. And. Dude, I mean, like you look at a bottle of Exceed or Draxon or what some of that shit cost. Mm-hmm. You get the doctor and shit that doesn't need it. That cost a damn fortune. I mean, it's something that well, you need to be good at. And it also makes them sicker in the long run because Absolutely. That, that, that antibiotic doesn't just kill the bad bugs it kills all the bugs yeah it i mean it, it it's a full it's a liquidation you know what i mean like it's a liquidation cell period mm. um and also over doctoring has absolutely led to immunity in a lot of these viruses i mean guys oh, yeah. you need like you're, you're seeing a lot of cattle that just don't respond to draxin anything to draxin mycotil yeah. i mean there's um i know there's actually they, a they respond to vitamin c though you know, there's actually a company in Canada right now running studies on basically vitamin drips um, and reintroduction of penicillin to a lot of these active bugs. Um, and I know one of the guys involved, and he said the results are going to shock people. Said a lot of this, especially the fibrous type pneumonias, we're seeing a huge spike in that are typically deemed virtually incurable nowadays. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the fibrous is pretty much that's a death sentence. Um, that's the shit that like seizes to the rib cage. Exactly, it turns into like a yellow mucus. Yeah, they literally your literally decompose. I mean, it. Uh, he said shit. some of the studies they're seeing on penicillin is going to make some people rethink exactly what some of that fibrous and shit is doing. And so I'm, it, it'll come I, out. I, I bet you, I bet you Merck has something to say about that. I, yeah, <laughs> um, I gotta take a leak, but uh, let's call let's call that good for the main episode. We'll do a little we'll do a little Patreon uh, special here here on the on the backside. But uh, Zach, where do they find you at? 
as far as uh, social media, no, not uh, just Facebook. Zachary Sargent, Zachary Sargent, um, Insta, I'm never on, and Twitter, I'm never on. So Facebook, Zachary Sargent. Right. So, me. so I got Cowpoke. I'm gonna. That's gonna be my song that 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 I'm gonna argue against. Yours is James McMurtry, Cop, Copper Canteen, right? No, I'm gonna. Uh, you know what? Yeah, screw it. This it's not really a cowboy song, but let's go with it. All right, cool. Yeah, and uh, find somebody to to join your side. I'll find somebody to join my side. Um, Derek Mott. I, I bet you I get Scott Hall to to help moderate this contest, and then uh, from there we'll take requests. So if you got requests, you think of the most cowboy song on earth, send it to to either me or Zach, and uh, we'll we'll keep in touch. We'll uh, we'll make sure we we'll narrow it down to some good topics. Right. Perfect. So, and uh, if you want to hear the rest of this, patreon.com slash burning daylight. But Zach, thanks for coming on. Always a fucking pleasure. Anytime, dude. All right. Move your ass. We're burning daylight. Well, I can tell you she's a bad idea for the good it would do. You got a Chevrolet as old as her Hell, you bought it new 